Good morning to each of you. It is a blessing to see the benches well filled this morning. I too want to extend a special welcome to all the visitors here this morning. And Tyler, it is good to see you here this morning. Yes. I'll start with sharing a story. When I was at home, grew up on a farm, something I would look forward to every fall was harvest time. And Matt can relate to this, I'm sure, and as Dale and maybe some others of you who grew up on a farm or are farmers. But every fall, when it was time to harvest the corn, my dad would get a cut, someone that does chopping for, or does custom chopping because a lot of farmers in the area did not own their own. rows off at a time. I'm, I'm sure some can take off more rows than that now. But silage pretty fast. And what was needed for harvest time was exactly how old I was, but I looked forward to the time where I could help with the harvest time. And what would happen, the, the chopper would have a wagon behind and the, the corn would get chopped as he would drive down the field and fill the wagon. The wagon could be filled in, I don't know how many minutes, but just a few minutes, the wagon would be full. And we would need several people running wagon from the chopper to wherever the, the silage was going, the chopped up corn. My dad, it was a silo where it went. I think Matt's dad, or at least... Once they moved at one point, they put the, the corn in a trench. But it took everybody working together, and when harvest time came, there was just a short window that the farmers all wanted to get their corn in. So at harvest time, whoever owned the uh, harvesters were very busy chopping the corn. The reason I share that story with you, for the message this morning, I want to talk about harvest time. There are verses in the Bible that talk about a harvest, and when I drove to Myerstown last week, I seen many cornfields that were being taken off. It's right at the time of the year where farmers are taking in their corn. I'll open it up to you for any Bible verses, or it doesn't have to be a full Bible verse, something that comes to your mind about the harvest that the Bible speaks of. Yes, it's one. Thank you. Matthew quoted the verse from Matthew nine thirty seven. Another verse in John four says, "Lift up your eyes and look at the fields; they are white and ready to harvest." These were Jesus' words as he was with his disciples. The message title this morning is The Harvest is Great, but but And the context of this passage, Jesus this was in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is a few chapters after the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is going about healing people. He's teaching them he is preaching to them, and he sees an abundance of needs among the people. And it seemed like wherever Jesus went, 
the crowds came because they wanted to be with Jesus and they wanted to experience physical healing. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And I almost get the sense that Jesus was overwhelmed with the amount of needs. And, you know, Jesus is God's son. He could have just met everybody's needs just at the snap of a finger. He was capable of doing that. And yet he took the time to to minister to the people's needs. And he also used his disciples to help meet the needs of people. Matthew chapter 9, I want to start reading at verse 35. I'll just read through the end of the chapter. It's just a few verses. And this is the uh, King James Version. If you have another version, hopefully you'll be able to follow along. Matthew 9 verse 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith the end of the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And we can see there the compassion that Jesus had for the people, as I said. He saw them as sheep that had no shepherd. They were scattered. They were fainting. And the ESV says they were harassed and they were helpless. Jesus saw the many people with great needs. And I almost get the picture of him just turning to his disciples and saying this verse. The harvest is plentiful. There's much work that needs to be done, but there's few people to carry about the work. If you continue reading, I'm not going to read much of it for the sake of time, but sometime you can read Matthew chapter 10, the, the chapter right after where I stopped. Well, maybe I'll just read the first verse here, and he's, gonna, he's gathering his disciples. It says, When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And the next couple of verses talk about his, the name his disciples, and then the chapter goes on with specific instructions to the disciples and how they are to minister to the needs around them. He gave them power to perform miracles. And in, like I said, if you continue reading, he's, he was sending them as sheep among wolves. What happens when wolves are around sheep? I've never actually witnessed it, but a wolf tries to kill the sheep, wants to eat the sheep. And Jesus was sending his disciples to meet the needs of the people and was sending them as sheep among wolves. He also told them to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Wise as serpents and yet harmless as doves among the, the people that they were ministering to. And he went on to say how they were going to be hated by all people. Not a very pleasant way to or not very comforting words to get sent out right (laughs) send out as wolves or as sheep among wolves another passage that jesus is calling people to minister to the needs around is the end of the book of matthew matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 or what we would call the great commission 
So this is after Jesus' death, after his resurrection, and before he ascended into heaven, he is giving his disciples specific instructions as well. And he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That great commission, Jesus called to his disciples still applies to us today we are called to go out and call people to god's kingdom we are to be laborers in god's harvest sharing the good news of the gospel and bringing others into the sheepfold we are to be looking for those lost sheep that are without the fold that are scattered and that are don't have purpose in life and to point them to jesus who will give them life and that's what i want to talk about this morning Many times in my life, I feel like I fall short of the calling that God has for me to do in sharing the gospel message. This message, or studying for this message, has been an encouragement to me, and I I want it to be an encouragement to you as well, and give you a boost in sharing the gospel with others. So what does it look like to be a laborer in God's harvest in 2021? How does it look like for you as a laborer in God's kingdom? Does this only apply to missionaries in in foreign fields? Or can this apply to each one of us as well? And I think we would all agree that it's not only for missionaries in foreign foreign fields, but it's for each one of us to carry out. And yes, it, it does include people of all places, of all countries, but we are to as or to share the gospel wherever we we go as well. So just to be very clear, when I, when I talk about the harvest, I'm talking about, as Jesus was, he was seeing that harvest time is now, that the need is great, and harvest time, I would liken it from, from the time of the church until Jesus comes back again, that is the time of harvest where we're supposed to be calling people to, or pointing people to the Savior. Now is a time of salvation when God's mercy is extended to his creation. So the harvest is great. There's a need for workers. And God uses his redeemed people to point others to him. And we all have a responsibility. Every born-again Christian is to be part of this great or labor in this great harvest and pointing people to Jesus. And what I want to leave you with this morning is I want you to know that we're all called to be laborers in the harvest so that we use the opportunities around us to build God's kingdom. We can all be builders in God's kingdom. I have three points I would like to look at this morning. And the first one is a labor, a laborer in God's harvest will have compassion for the lost. Secondly, a laborer in God's harvest will recognize that we are laborers together with God. It's not about me. It's not about building a name for myself. It's not about how many people I can point to Jesus, but we are laborers together as the body of Christ. And then the third one, I just want to look at some practical application for laborers in the harvest. So the first one, have compassion for the lost. 
we have no better example to look at than the life of Jesus. And in Matthew 9, the verse I already stated, where we can see the compassion that Jesus had for the lost people. And it moved him to action. He saw, as I already stated, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He saw them as living life with no purpose. And he wanted to give them purpose in life and point them or to draw them to himself, to draw them to God. How, how are you or what is your response when you see the lost around you? Do you find your heart being filled with compassion or do you tend to just let them go and live your own life? Are you moved when you see people bound by the chains of sin? Does it stir something within you to want to share the gospel with them? Just this week, my co-worker, or I used to work with him. It's been a few years now that I've worked with him. He sent me a link to a, or he sent me some pictures of a buck that was killed in, the article said, in Kentucky, and it might be a state record buck. And there was an article with him, and I read the article, and the Field and Stream interviewed this hunter that harvested this deer, this giant buck that was potentially going to be the state record, the new state record for Kentucky. And the hunter went into extreme detail about his hunt, how he had seen the deer the year before, and then this year it got much bigger, and he went into all the details of when he went out on the hunt, how everything took place, and Field of Stream yeah, had the interview with him, and they published the article for everyone to read that this deer might be a potential state record that was in Kentucky. Meanwhile, it came out sometime later that there was a hunting lodge, a preserve, a high fence hunt or a place to hunt in Indiana that saw this and recognized the deer. And just a few days earlier, that hunter was at their preserve and shot this very deer in the preserve. So they reached out to Field and Stream and it came out that this hunter lied and the reason I share that with you is a response I got from one of my friends when we were talking about the uh, article or the story. He said, you know, he, he feels kind of sorry for the guy. And while there were many people bashing that hunter, what he did was wrong. He, I mean, he lied, lie after lie to come up with that kind of story. But a lot of people were saying very unkind, made a lot of unkind comments towards that hunter and my one friend said he feels sorry for the hunter. And I was like, that is the attitude that we should have when we run into scenarios like that. Yes, it's, it's not right what he did, but our heart should go out to someone like that that would want to even try to do something like that. That gives us a little window into his heart. He was trying to become famous for what he had done, and the plan really backfired on him, and he is now living with a lot of shame, with a lot of guilt. Or hopefully with guilt. But someone like that, we should offer hope. We can reach out to someone like that and point them to Jesus Christ. And our, yeah, again, our attitude or response should be different than that of the world. Do we see the lost as Jesus saw them? And I believe if Jesus was walking on this earth, that he would offer that man hope and not bring condemnation on that man. We could look at other examples of how Jesus treated others that were living with guilt. 
we're not going to turn there for the sake of time, but in, I believe it's John 8, where the scribes and Pharisees bring a woman that was found committing adultery. They bring this woman to Jesus and they ask Jesus, what are, we going, what are you going to tell us to do with this woman? Should we do as the Old Testament said, as, as Moses' law said? Should we stone her for her sin? And most of us know what Jesus said. He said, well, if you're, he that is without sin may cast the first stone. And it just pricked the uh, Pharisees and the scribes' hearts. And one by one, they, they left. See, none of them could stone her. Or none of them were free of sin. They had all sin. They recognized that they were all without sin. And then he tells the woman, go and sin no more. See, Jesus offers hope to the sinners. Another example where Jesus was moved with compassion. And as he was meeting the people's needs, their physical needs, meeting their spiritual needs, he was teaching them. His example of the 5,000 where Jesus had this great multitude around with around him. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion. He was meeting their needs. And then he all fed all them with that little boy's lunch before he sent them away. So Jesus did not condemn people. He offered sinners hope. And we should be the same way. We should have a heart of compassion that extends hope to others, to those in need, rather than condemnation. And yes, there are times where we need to point out people's sin, but we should not leave them without hope. We can point them to Jesus Christ. So if you're going to be a laborer in God's kingdom, we must have compassion and extend hope to the lost around us. The second point, recognize that we are laborers together with God. You can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's a familiar passage to many of us. I believe we heard some teaching from this a few weeks ago when Glenn Souter was here. I believe he had read some of these verses. But this passage talks about being laborers together with God. Again, what I had stated, as we are workers in God's kingdom, it should never become about me and about what I can do, but recognize that we are all working together. I'm going to read through, or yeah, First Corinthians chapter 3, I'll read through verse 11, starting at verse 1. This is Paul speaking. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers... By whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. 
according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another man, another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And I'll stop there. But the context here, some people were saying they're following Paul, some Apollos, and Paul is coming along and saying that this is not right. Don't be following man, but we are all laborers together with God. And he went on to say that Apollos watered, or he said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God is the one who gives the increase. And they were both God's laborers and they both played a part in building God's church. And back to the story I shared in the beginning about harvest time. And when my dad would call the chopper and line a, line a date up to, for the, the, harv- or the chopper to come to harvest the corn, he would also line up people to, to be able to haul wagons and make sure the process went smoothly. So it took someone running the chopper, it, it took someone to drive tractor to haul the wagons back and forth, sometimes three to five, depending on how far you had to travel. It took someone, usually where the feed was being poured into, whether it was a silo or a trench, it usually took someone taking care of things there. It took everybody working together, and it took everybody focused on bringing the, the harvest in. And we were all focused on getting the job done and each one played a vital part in the process one was not more important than the other it took everybody and maybe another example just thinking of a church service so this morning there was someone that unlocked the doors there was greeters when you came through the line someone to shake your hand there was a song leader devotional or someone had devotions or moderated There's going to be a Sunday school superintendent, Sunday school teachers. There's a librarian taking care of the library. There's someone running the sound system. I may be leaving some people out, but what I'm trying to get at, it takes all of us working together. That's just an example. And we might not all play the same role as laborers together with God, but we can all play a vital part in the role or in the calling that God Cause us to some of us might get to talk to more people. Some of us might be more in the uh, maybe not be recognized as much, but, you know, helping others and blessing others and still playing a vital part in being laborers together with God's kingdom or in God's kingdom. And if you've ever had the privilege of leading someone to Christ when you were there when they surrender their life to Christ it is a beautiful thing and it's a thing that we all probably long to see but it does us well to recognize that when those things take place most times before that happened there were many others that played a role in that person coming to to salvation many times it's not the first time where someone hears the gospel that they respond and Glenn Souter shared the story of that, I believe, 90 or 90-some-year-old man that he went to help. And he, I don't remember exactly how Glenn relayed the story, but he asked him if he's a Christian. And the man said he wasn't, but he was ready to surrender his life to Christ. And it was right there that they prayed. And Glenn found out there was someone else that was very involved in that man's life. But Glenn was there when the man was ready.
And sometimes you might share the gospel with someone and they might seem like they don't really want to hear it. It might seem like they don't really respond to it, but we are planting seeds. And again, it does us well to recognize that we are all working together in this. Whether, we get, whether we're the one to be there when they receive Christ or not, we are working together. Bible clubs are another example. We plant seeds of truth. When we teach the children, teach them the truths of God's word, we're planting seeds. And we hope and pray that those seeds will take root and that one day they will experience Christ as their personal savior. The third point, I'd like to spend some time on this practical application for laborers in the harvest. I am curious if some of you have read this book, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. Raise your hand if you've read the book. Some of you have. Do you know if we have it in our church library? So we do have them available. People want to read them. I would encourage every one of you to read this book. I read it a number of years ago, and I really should read it again. Mark Cahill, I believe is how you say his name. Powerful stories and a man that is very diligent at laboring in God's kingdom and bringing many or sharing the gospel with with many. And I want to talk a little bit about that, about that book. And maybe I'll ask first, what is the one thing that you will not do in heaven? One thing you can't do in heaven. I'll look to someone maybe that hasn't read the book first. Yes. Bring people to God. You're right on. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Mark says, one thing you can't do in heaven is share your faith with a non-believer. So same thing. Because unbelievers won't be in heaven. And that's sobering to think about. The time for us to share our faith with a non-believer is in this life while we are laborers in the harvest. And Mark asked the question in the introduction of that book. He says, in three million years from now, what will be the only thing that will matter? He said, it won't be how much money we made. It won't be what type of house we lived in. It won't be how popular we are. The one thing that will matter is who is in heaven and who is in hell. Again, sobering to think about. And I believe the reason he says three million years from now is just to try to get us to wrap our minds around around eternity and our soul living on forever and ever. And again, thinking of our life as just the, the harvest time is short. Our life is short, but our soul is going to live on. And if that's the only thing that matters, then it should be our greatest concern now. That's sobering to think about as well. If that's the only thing that really matters, that should be a big concern or my greatest concern now. When Jesus came to this earth, the Bible tells us that he came for the lost and we are brought back to God, brought into relationship with him so that we can bring others to Christ as well. 
So if Jesus' mission was to bring the lost and give them purpose in life, that should be our purpose as well. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but for those of you who meet people throughout the week, as many of us do, many times we interact with people that we will probably never interact with again in this life. Maybe it's someone that you do business with. You do some type of service for them. They might come in your door and go out your door, and that might be the only opportunity that you have to share with them. Do we take advantage of those opportunities? And again, I'm, I'm not standing before you as one who always redeems the opportunities or makes those opportunities, or takes advantage of the opportunities. Sometimes I fail. But I praise God that God has worked in my life, and I, I share the good news with others more than I did at one point in my life. And it's something I want to continue to grow in. And Dale, I know I've said this before about you, but you've been a huge stepping stone in my life in sharing the gospel. When we moved here to Shenandoah a number of years ago, I got to witness going around with Dale, who has tracks in his pockets. I believe you still do. I'm guessing you still going to whether it's Home Depot or wherever it is and meeting people and, and sharing the gospel. And that's something I have incorporated in my life. And I, again, I, I could improve in it, but I try to have tracks in the vehicle. And when I go into places and whether it's Lowe's or shopping places, I try to have tracks in my pocket. Now, I don't meet as many people working from home as what some of you do, but I want to encourage us all to be quick to share our faith. And there's a there's some reasons why or you might think of this as as rather scary. And there's reasons why a lot of people don't always share their faith because they're afraid of what people might say or being rejected. And there are times where you might get made fun of. There are times where people might dislike you for what you share. They might mock you. But should that stop us? And Mark in his book says, what is the worst thing that could happen to you for sharing your faith? And he said, the worst thing that could happen to you is they could kill you and send you to heaven. And now we don't want to get have someone kill us when we share our faith with them. But really... It's, you know, if we get to go to heaven because of that, we're in a better place. So we should not be discouraged or let fear stop us from sharing the gospel. I want to just look at a few practical things and how we can share our faith. And maybe we should start with praying for opportunities. And this is something I don't always do well with. Praying for opportunities for God to give us an opportunity to share our faith. And I believe if we pray for opportunities that God will give us opportunities. And we're also going to be looking for opportunities because we're praying for opportunities. And reading again in the book, when Mark goes shopping, say it's to Walmart. I don't know if he does this every time, but there are times where he will find the parking spot that is the furthest away from the store so that while he's walking to the store, he has more people to share his faith with as they're walking to and from their their vehicles. 
most times when I'm going to a store, I'm thinking, okay, how quickly can I get, get in there and, and get out of here? But just a challenge, do we go out of our way to share our faith? And if we're praying for opportunities and God gives us opportunities, we're going to have to be okay with sometimes not getting everything done in a day's time that we would hope to get done, but realize that sharing our faith is more important about always getting things done as fast as we would like. Now, I realize if you're on the clock, you're employed somewhere, and your boss is expecting you back by a certain time, you've got to be very careful with that. But there are times where, where you are free to take advantage of the opportunities and sometimes maybe we should try that parking in the furthest parking spot so that we can share the gospel with others as we go to and from the store. Now, one thing I will often do, the uh, cashier, I'll often hand them a tract when I pay for my items. Sometimes people are very short with you. Sometimes they don't want to hear it. But then there's other times where there's just really good discussions and it's always encouraging finding people that want to talk. The second one, I've already talked about this some, but I would encourage us all to carry tracks with us wherever we go, whether it's in our purse or vehicle, in our pocket, have a track ready. There are two that I'm using currently. I had bought a packet of these it's a million-dollar bill. These work well when I'm paying for something. <laughs> After I pay this, hey, hey, I've got something for you. And it, it intrigues people, like, well, what is this? But on the back, I'll ask, hey, there's a, there's a million-dollar question on the back. And it, it's intriguing to people, oh, what's the million-dollar question? The million-dollar question on the back of this is, when you face God on Judgment Day, will you be innocent or guilty? And you, oh, oh, and it, gets, it starts discussion, and you can... Uh, have some good discussions with people handing that tract. Another one I use is this tract right here. And I know Dale's, do you still use these? Mm-hmm. We can, do you still have these available if people want them? You got them. And the, this one that I have has the uh, church address and phone number stamped on the back. It's nice when you're handing out tracts, whether they are to have some contact information on, whether it's your personal contact information or church information, someone for them to call. The way I often use this one is when I hand it to someone or before I hand it to someone, I say, hey, I have some good news for you. And people, oh, good news. What, what do you got? I said, well, I said, there's a lot of bad news in our world. And they, they're quick to recognize that. Oh, yeah, they, they know there's a lot of bad news going on. But I said, the good news is how Jesus Christ, he came into the world and he offers hope and he offers a plan of salvation. And that's good news. And you can get into a discussion that way. So, again, don't get discouraged when someone might mock you or rejects your offer that you have for them. Going again back to harvest and bringing in the corn, sometimes when we were out chopping corn, there were setbacks. Sometimes the harvester, the chopper, would break down, and we would work, try to get it fixed as soon as we could to get back in, to get chopping again and get the corn in. Another thing that happened, this goes back a number of years ago, but we were chopping at my dad's farm. And there was some 
dry corn that was sitting on the head that started smoking. And before the chopper got out to check it out, it burst into flames. And when I got out to the field to exchange wagons, the chopper was engulfed in flames. And quickly called 911. They came out and they took care of the fire, but the chopper was heavily damaged and there was no continuing with that chopper. But there was a great need. There was corn that needed chopped. And I don't, I forget if it was that night yet or the next day, but we got another chopper to come in and, and finish the, uh, the harvest. And so it is with us when we face setbacks. Don't let it stop you. You know, keep on plugging away and sharing the gospel because you're going to have the, if you continue sharing, there's going to be times of just that are joyous where people want to hear and times where you can have good discussions. Another example I want to give is listen to them as well. I don't think it's wise to always do, do the exact same thing with every person you talk to, have a formula that you always go through. I'm not, that might not be wrong to do that, but each one is different. And sometimes be open to what they want to talk about as well, as well. And sometimes you'll find people very open to talk about things. Sometimes they'll open things up to you that are going on in their life. And when you listen to them, many times they're going to be much quicker to hear what you have to say. So listen to their story. Speak with love and not with condemnation, as Jesus did. He did not condemn those that were living in sin, but he offered hope. And we are to love the sinner, not that we don't point out the sin, but we we love them and we offer them hope. Another one, if you have someone that expresses interest, give them your contact information. What had happened to me this summer, I was down in Myerstown area, and this time I did not have tracks with me when I went into Advanced Auto. And there was a young man at the register that I, even though I didn't have a track, I just shared with him the plan of salvation, and we got to talking a little bit, and he shared with how how he was at a very difficult spot in his life. He didn't say exactly what was going on. He didn't seem to want to really share, so I didn't press for more information, but I walked out of there realizing that 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 man was honest with me. He said that he's at a very difficult spot in his life and he's not living how he would like to. But I didn't leave him with anything. I didn't give him any track. I didn't give him any information myself. And I just felt that I should go back and hand him something. I think I had a track in my vehicle then that I just wrote my name and number on the back. I just went back inside. I said, hey, if you ever want to talk more, Here's my name and number. It's on the back there. And, and he seemed to appreciate that. I never heard back from him, and I don't know if I ever will, but times like that where I think it's good. Be sensitive to God's spirit, but ones that are open initiate further discussion if, if they have interest. So in conclusion, it is time to wrap up. There is coming a day when this great harvest will end, where we will no longer have the opportunity to witness to the lost around us. One day Jesus is going to come back and take his people to heaven and the opportunity will be over. And how tragic would it be if there are people that never experienced Christ 
that I interacted with because I never shared the gospel. And that's sobering to think about. If I'm refusing or being too afraid to share the gospel with others and they never come to faith in Christ because I didn't share the gospel with them, that's tragic. The Bible says if we're ashamed of God and if we're ashamed to acknowledge Him, He's going to be ashamed of us on Judgment Day. And I want to encourage each one of us to be quick to share the gospel. On the contrast, how wonderful or how glorious would it be when you get to heaven, if you get to meet others that are in heaven, and it is because you planted seeds of truth in their life. Whether you were the Sunday school teacher, school teacher, teaching at Bible clubs, or the one that was faithful in passing out tracts, or if you got to actually walk with them for a portion in this life and to really disciple them, all those steps are vital, and it, all, it takes us all laboring together, and how wonderful that would be to meet those people in heaven. And again, we can't, we can't put a price tag on a soul. They are extremely valuable, and the soul will live for eternity. And are we working together in this great heart, or this time of where there's a great need for laborers in the harvest? So may God move our hearts with compassion as we labor together to build God's kingdom. As Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And I find it interesting. Jesus told his disciples to pray that there would be laborers into his harvest, but he also sent his disciples out. So I believe we are to both pray for laborers, but we are also to be those laborers in the harvest as well. And if there's anyone here who is that lost sheep outside the fold, I want to encourage you to pursue Christ and find him and join this great harvest, the great need of laborers in this harvest, of sharing the gospel message to this lost and dark world because now is the time of opportunity where we can share our faith. So may God bless you as you endeavor to share your faith as you go throughout this week. I really believe that each one of us will have opportunities. And my question is for myself and for you all as well, will you use those opportunities that God gives you to share the gospel? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning, and I pray that you would give each one of us that sense of urgency to share the gospel. I pray that we would not shrink back in fear when you give us those opportunities, but that we could boldly share the truth, no matter what it might, no matter what the response might be. And that may, may we recognize that they are not rejecting us, but they're rejecting you when they don't want to hear it. Help us to be willing to suffer for your sake. May you give, or I just ask for wisdom as we share with others. I pray that you would guide Guide us with wisdom, help us to say the right words, and I pray that as a result of us planting seeds and sharing our faith, that more people would be drawn into your kingdom. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.